You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Well, whether you are kids, you get to stay with us today. (laughs) Before I get started, you get to stay with us today. Isn't that fantastic? All right. Hey, I've got some questions for you to ask along the way, okay? So I'll need your help when I ask some of those questions, okay? Can you guys give me a thumbs up? All right. Good deal. All right. Thank you. So, kids, how many of you like to get up super early in the morning? Some of you do. Yeah, the younger kids. Oh, there's one teenager hand. Dan thinks he's a kid. <laughs> so I see, I saw one teenager hand say, yeah, I like to, and all the others are like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but some of the younger kids like to get up early. That's great. There is something special I personally think about getting up early in the morning. Some of you may not be morning people, and I get that. But those times, on rare occasion, if you're a night person that you actually had to get up early, and you kind of gathered your wits about you, and the grogginess faded away, and you actually got to think and ponder for just a minute, did you, did you take note of what was going on in creation? The darkness right before you could start seeing the edges of the sun come up, the birds beginning to sing their song, their praise to their creator, if you will. In the spring and the summer, the flowers and the trees, almost like they're taking a breath and stretching and opening up to welcome the day in. Does it remind you of something else that Christ did for us, that God did through his son? Like when Jesus came and he was born. God's canvas every morning, the sky displaying, displaying his creativity, his extravagance, his abundance, it's, it's almost excess. He just throws it out there every day, unless clouds block our view. It's there every day, every morning. And it's like we get used to it, and it's almost like God said, I'm here every day whether you notice or not. No wonder the psalmist in Psalm 63.1 said, Early will I seek you, or in some translations, earnestly will I seek you. See, I think as I ponder this, I think it's similar to Jesus Christ coming. The dawn, the morning, the night being our life of trying to do things on our own, our life rejecting him. You, You can almost kind of see this darkness even in scripture, the the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament where God was speaking through prophets and His Word was coming down and through them and them conveying it to the people and it ended. From Micah to Matthew. There's some 400 years of a spiritual darkness, a silence almost. And then the pre-dawn, and then the dawn in the day. 
You see, without the redemption of Christ, and Tony used that word last week, and I so appreciate it, of redemption. Redemption of Christ because of the fall of man, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. There's no day that we could truly enjoy. There's no opportunity for that. In fact, what's the point? What's the point? And the way I see it, we've got basically two options without it. Option one, we're an accident. We're an accident. Some cells bumped into each other and things exploded and lo and behold, we, we came about somehow, some way. Or option two, we have to be perfect and earn our way to heaven, to glory, to the next life, whatever religion that is that puts those requirements on it. And see, deep down, I don't, I don't think any of us really want to be labeled as an accident. Deep down, I think we all desire to be worth more than that, to have more purpose than a bunch of cells bumping and exploding into each other. I think if we're honest, too, we know we're not good enough to earn our way to glory or paradise or heaven or the next life. If we're truly honest, when we shut off the internet and we shut off the news and we shut off all of the bombarding messages that are out there, and we just truly look at it for what it is, I think it really just kind of boils down to those two things. You see, Jesus Christ is the answer. And the reason that we're not an accident and that we don't have to be perfect to earn our way. That we can have purpose and we have a place to be and belong. That darkness, 400 years. <laughs> I know there's a couple of Alaskans in here that enjoy being there. Some future Alaskans and others who have traveled there. There's the northernmost town in Alaska. You go, they go 67 days in the winter without the sun. I think I might go a little insane personally. I think I'm solar powered. When it's cloudy for like three days, I'm like, you know, just put me away because I am no fun to be around. But uh, there's 67 days that they go without the sun. And that 400 years of God not speaking through his prophets is like that times 2,179.1. <laughs> Can you imagine? But yet God foretold the dawn coming. God foretold Christ coming. And so this morning we're going to explore that together. And we're going to do it continuing our time in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Our title today is Humility to Glory. And we're going to look at Christ's birth, his first coming, and compare it with Christ's second coming, his return. All right. Now, if you came today just hoping to hear all the ins and outs and details of the rapture and all of that, well, you might walk away a little disappointed in that part of it. But if you listen, if you let the Lord speak to you, you're not going to walk away disappointed because you're going to hear about Jesus. You hear about the truth from his word and even a couple things we can do about it. 
right. Well, would you stand with me while we read this? If you're willing and able. About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Amen. You may be seated. So kids, how many of you guys remember measuring your days by nap schedules and food? Maybe you still do. Justin still does. Good. So... My boys, when they were younger, would measure their days in that way. They'd be like, well, is it rest time? We're like, well, which rest time is it? Is it dark rest time or is it daytime rest time? Because they'd, they'd have a daytime rest time whether they really needed to sleep or rest or not. Mom needed it. So you're going to get put away and you can read, think, pray, right, for an hour or two, depending on how long mom needs that day. And then you can come out. We're all going to be happier and better, right? So... Kids, does anybody else, did you used to measure your day that way? You didn't understand the calendar. You didn't know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or maybe you did know the song, but you didn't have it connected. Did anybody else do that? Is it breakfast? Did we, is it breakfast? Well, what's breakfast? Well, did we have cereal or eggs? That's breakfast, right? Is it lunch? Well, did we have sandwiches and chips? You know, you measure your days that way. Well, we're going to measure our teaching time this morning by segments of the day. Our first one will be the pre-dawn, right before the sun comes up. The waiting period. The second one is going to be like the dawn as the sun comes up. And then the third one is going to be during the day, the day of the Lord. All right? So kids, you know what I mean when I say that pre-dawn? That means it's dark. The sun hasn't come up yet. Okay? The dawn... The dawn means the sun is coming up. It's a sunrise, like when the sky is super pretty and it's really early and you want to go back to bed, right? But the outside's so pretty. That's dawn, okay? And then the day is big time, all right? Kids, you tracking with me? Thumbs up. Olivia, thumbs up. Awesome. Thank you. Good deal. All right, so pre-dawn, before the sun comes up, in the waiting, his birth his birth, when he came. See, he was an equal member of the triune God with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Took part in creation. To what extent, we're not 100% sure, but scripture does clearly state that he was there. He helped in the creation process with God and then humbled himself to become like what he created. I would call that humility. Humility. Wouldn't you? I mean, there's, there's no other sense of humility we can go to there. You know, I've, I've had some swings in that in my life. I was a vice president of a bank, and the, a couple of months later, after getting laid off, I was cleaning toilets and rentals. 
That's a pretty big swing, right? In the working class. This trumps that big time. His birth was prophesied about 400 plus years, some say around 420 years before it happened. The people here waiting, waiting for his birth, looking, searching in scriptures, they've been waiting a long time, wouldn't you say? Do you think that they may be getting tired of waiting? Think they're getting a little cynical about having to wait that long? And yet, when he came, it was incognito. That means hardly anybody knew about it. In the middle of the night, in a small town, out of the way, there was no huge announcement. It won't be anything like his second coming. It wasn't anything like his second coming will be. Most of the rest of the world woke up the next day and continued life as usual, having no idea that God came to earth in the form of man. The first of some of the two, the two most significant events to occur in our history, in my opinion. Jesus came and Jesus died and rose again. The two most significant events that matter. A sign in the sky, yes. Kids, you remember the star, right? That the wise men followed. They pointed the way, but only for those who studied the stars. Think about that. How many times have you been out and about and you see a meteor or you see something up in the sky? You're like, oh, that's cool. And you just kind of move on. We don't stop and research it. We don't stop and figure out what's going on. You hear an explosion over the hill where you live and you're like, huh? Is that Bobby Joe over there shooting those explosive targets again? Or was it something more serious? We don't even check the news half the time if it was something more serious. You know, we just move on. Almost all of creation did that. No doubt that star was more visible than just the wise men. And yet, they moved on. The birth happened to a seemingly insignificant couple. They were nobody in the eyes of the world. Young teenage girl. A young man just hacking his way out in life with his hands as a carpenter. They were nobody more significant than anybody else. No bygones, royal lineage, but nothing that anybody was jumping up and down about it, right? Because he's from the line of David. Then a census comes place. And what, what would that have been like? And I was trying to relate that to our terms in today. And I was thinking about, well, what if, what if they said in McDonald County, everybody who's ever been born in McDonald County that's still alive had to come here in Pineville and Anderson, basically, and register. And everybody had to get here and everybody had to find a place to stay and to hang out. Well, it get kind of nuts, right? I mean, we got like, what, one hotel? <laughs> you know, if it happened in the winter, we're toast because all of the river ranches and all of those are all closed down for the year, right? I'm sure John would open up if need be, but, um, you know, it'd be nuts. People would be everywhere trying to find a place to stay. Never mind the fact that there aren't hospitals here. I get that. Most of the births don't take place actually in McDonald County, but let's set that aside for a second. But 
if everybody that was alive that had ever been born here all of a sudden had to come, the nuts of that distress and the chaos. And here's this young couple. They hadn't taken parenting classes. You know, barely married, if married yet, on this journey. And they're supposed to raise the Son of God. Okay, any parents in here have a little stress and anxiety when you were pregnant with your first, right? By the third and fourth and fifth and sixth, like us, you're just like, whatever. But, <laughs> but your first one especially, you're like, holy cow, what if I mess them up? I mean, there can be a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress that goes up. Oh, by the way, you're raising the Son of God. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> What if he gets a diaper rash? Am I going to like go to hell? <laughs> you know, I mean, think about it. <laughs> the pre-dawn, his birth. Let's look at his second coming. Glory. See, he humbled himself. And when he comes the second time, he's coming exactly as who he is, who he's meant to be, who he will be for all eternity the Son of God. This second coming has not yet occurred yet, obviously. I'm still here. Many of you are still here. Prophesied about for some 2,000 years before. We have been waiting a long time. Anybody impatient? Cynical? not living like he could come at any time? As you're like, it's been 2,000 years, what's another 80 years of my life? This time, it will also, it will occur in the sky and all of the believers will for sure see him, if not the whole world. Scripture isn't 100% clear there, so I'm not going to make that statement, but definitely all the believers will. Signs of his coming, 1 Thessalonians 5.3, back to our text here. When they say peace and security, and then sudden destruction will come upon them, like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Now, obviously I've never been pregnant, but I have witnessed three births, and I have watched my wife go through labor three times. And I can tell you she is far more tough than me, and that is some intense pain that she is going through in that. And ladies, if you have given birth, you know more than I do what I'm talking about here. And that is what the sudden destruction will be like, that pain. You guys can read further into this if you want. We're not going to go there this morning, but in Matthew 24, Mark 13, the book of Revelation, Gary did a great class on that this last year. I'm sure he's got some notes he can send your way if you want more information there. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament as well. But see, when he comes in the clouds, and we saw this two weeks ago in chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, he will come with a shout from the archangel, and a trumpet blast. A shout and a trumpet blast. This will not be a silent in the middle of the night incognito insertion. This will be proclaimed loudly. So kids, any of you guys up to helping me out with a shout and a trumpet blast? 
Jasmine, you're always up for something like this, aren't you? I know you are. Can you do that with me? Can you do a shout? Shout, he is coming. Kids, you up for that? Yeah? I'm getting a nod. I'm getting another hand. Yes? I'm not going to do this by myself. Will you help me? Okay, when I count to three, we're going to shout, he is coming. Okay? Mom and dad, you should help him out too. All right? All right. One, two, three. He is coming. Do you believe it? Amen. He is coming. The archangel. Can you imagine how loud his voice might be? Like the number one angel is going to shout. And somebody's going to blast a trumpet. And I've been right next to a trumpet. My Uncle John plays the trumpet really well. It can get pretty loud. But if you take like one of heaven's trumpets and put an angel behind it, man, good thing God's going to give us new ears when we get up there, right? (laughs) He will return in glory as who and what he truly is. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior, Messiah, the Son of God. For the... For this, what is our response? What is our response? What should we be living our lives like? Should we be going on and worrying about our jobs? We shouldn't just be lackadaisical about it. It's a God that it's a job that we can glorify God in. But is that what consumes us? Is finances, is fill in the blank. I don't need to list them all. I can look around the room and guess at some for each person here. How should we be responding to this? You see, we don't need to get caught up in the details about the wind. Okay, and here's my answer to that. Jesus' answer to his disciples. He doesn't even know the time or the hour either. Why in the world would we get caught up in trying to figure that out? Should we be prepared for when he comes? Yes, that is clear in scripture. Does it give us signs of the approximate timeline in the history of mankind that it could come? Yes. But I can tell you right now, the Christians living in Rome and being sent to the auditorium and being torn apart by lions and gladiators and all of that, they surely thought that that was the end times too, I bet you. We're not having to go through that here. And that was 2,000-ish years ago. What we do need to respond as in today is if you don't know him, you should know him because he is coming again. And this time it's not going to be to seek and to save the lost. This time it's going to be gather those that are his. He has already come to seek and to save the lost. And until he comes, we have every opportunity to choose him.
And there is no promise we'll have that chance on our deathbed at the end of it all. Our community lost a pastor this week. And I praise God he's with Jesus. But if he didn't know Jesus, he had no time to all of a sudden choose to give his life to him at that moment. None. And so we can mourn with our brothers and sisters at First Christian. We can pray for them and praise Jesus that we're going to get to see Dave again and praise Jesus that there's a hope. The exact same thing he would tell us if he was here today and what he would tell them this morning if he was there leading their service like he did last Sunday. Dawn, the sun is coming up. You see, he has come. He has come through a census that God ordained through a pagan emperor. He brought this young couple to a city prophesied to be Jesus' birth, and that's in Micah 5.2. You can't tell me that God's not sovereign and in control to ordain the census through somebody who could who would not acknowledge God whatsoever. Born in a manger in an animal stall on the side or the back of a house. Do you think that Joseph and Mary wondered if they were good parents because that happened? Do you think they wondered if, hey, if we could have planned harder or better or got there sooner or Joseph, if I had made more money, I could have bought us a better place to rent. I could have bribed him into letting us into room in the house. Do you think they had any of those kind of... I'm thinking they did. You see, Scripture doesn't go into that detail, but I'm just thinking about this like if I'm Joseph and I'm going, man, if I'm entrusted to raise the Son of God and we showed up late and everybody else was there and it was full... I planned bad. And not only is my kid being born in an animal stall, this kid is God's son. Oh boy. <laughs> I've messed up from the start. Imagine those feelings he wrestled with and, and the places that they as parents go. Do you think parenting him along the way is like, what do I do here? <laughs> it's like, is it... I mean, you know, parents, you get in those situations, like, what's the best way to discipline my child? And they didn't have to discipline Jesus, obviously, but you're like, I feel like he did something wrong, but he probably didn't because he's the son of God. And what do I, do I spank him? Will I, what will God do if I spank him by mistake? And I mean, kids, what if Jesus was your brother? There would be no blame in him for anything you did, Right? <laughs> And what if something happened where Jesus got blamed even though he didn't do it for something you did? Do you think he would have thrown a fit to his mom and dad and said, no, I didn't do it, it was really them? Or do you think he would have taken the punishment for you and not said a word? Something to think about, kids. Man, talk about a goody two-shoes, right? <laughs> In a good way. 
See, Jesus' birthplace, it was a private party through angel invitation only. Very exclusive invitation to be there. And it came in humility. And I've said this before, but holding my granddaughter these last few weeks and looking at her and thinking about Jesus coming into the world that way, 100% fully dependent on his parents to feed his physical body, to change the diaper, to get up with them in the middle of the night, to keep them warm. All of the things Jesus as a baby went through that. His parents, his physical earthly parents had to provide for him. It's easy to skip over those details, isn't it? The Son of God put himself in that place to come here, to be here, to glorify God and to do that for us so that we could be in relationship with him. See, we had no idea about life before being a baby, right? We don't even remember being a baby. He knew. He knew life before it. And chose it. I don't think there's one person in this room that would choose to be a helpless infant again. We're we're too controlling, right? (laughs) No way. I don't want to be that dependent on anybody. His second coming, he will come through world events that God allows or ordains. Back to our text, verses 2 and 4, 1 Thessalonians 5. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. In other words, everyone who is a believer has no excuse about being surprised of when he shows up when there is a shout and a trumpet blast. He tells us he's coming. He just doesn't say the day or the hour. He's coming. But how many times did you think about that this last week? I thought about a lot because of the sermon. But set that aside. On a normal week? I don't know. Lesson Five times, probably. Kids, do you think about it? Do you think about when Jesus comes back? Does it get you excited? Does it scare you a little bit? Because you don't know what's going to happen, what it's going to be like. You see, our response to this part should be that we live as if eternity is in mind and that he is coming. Because he is. I have a feeling that your whole life will reframe and your perspective will change and the focus of your life will adjust if we live our lives in that manner. I've reminded that he is coming and that there is eternity in mind. How long is 80-ish years compared to eternity? Well, if you look down at the carpet and you see one little speck and then you look at all of the rest of the carpet in this room, you're not there yet. That one speck's your 80 years. All of the rest of the carpet dots, threads that make up the carpet, is not enough 
to cover eternity. And if you're a business person or if you're a statistics person and you look at percentages, what are you going to bank on? That point, oh, 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 keep going to infinity, 1%? Or are you going to bank on the 99.99999 to infinity percent? What are you going to invest in? The day of the Lord, his birth, he's here again in humility. And you get to see this snapshot in Luke 2 of Simeon and Anna who waited their whole lives that God gave a promise that they would get to see the Messiah. And I love those few verses there in Luke 2 about them getting to see him. And you should jot that down and read that later. God's promises fulfilled to them. God's promises fulfilled to all of us as it's been prophesied, as we've already mentioned from the Old Testament to today. His second coming, when he comes. Kids, let's do it again. You ready? He is coming. One, two, three. He is coming. Good job. Will be an announcement for the entire universe that he is the groom of his bride, the church. That he has redeemed us all who believe in him. That he has chosen us to be his bride. We are his beloved. We are the ones he loves. And every single one of his promises will be fully and completely fulfilled at that time. Many already have been, as we can see, in Scripture, and throughout time. But in that day, all of them will be in our glorification. Think on that for a minute. Does that get your blood boiling in excitement and joy? Or does it bring you to your knees in humility and gratitude? This is where we should have that appropriate response to him because of who he is and what he has done and is doing for us. Worship. And we can live our lives, in our response to this, we can live our lives resting in this, resting that he is coming. Right, kids? He is coming. This earth is a temporary stop. For him, it was. And it's a temporary starting place for us. Our true home is with him. Our true home is with him. That's why we get so upset when bad things happen. That's why we miss and ache and mourn the ones gone before us. It's why when bad things happen, we look for something to blame or someone to blame. And more times than not, unjustly, we blame God. He did not create the earth 
to be this way. He did not create us to have to experience death or the loss of a loved one. He did not create the earth so that bad things happen to good people. That has come about because of sin and the enemy working to undermine all that he has done. Our true home is with him in his presence. And guess what? Right now, he's there preparing a place for us. Kids, do you know that song? I think it's, is it Audio Adrenaline or Newsboys that sang that song? He's got a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. He's got a big, big house. Anybody know that song? Okay, a couple of people, like five of us. Okay, great. Sorry, bad illustration. Only five of us knew it. (laughs) It's true. He's preparing a place for us. He's got a room for each one of us. He had a room for Dave Munoz with a plaque on it, ready for him. Well done. I was at their church Wednesday night during their service just to show them we love them and support them. And, And they were talking about crowns. And they were talking about the crowns of glory that must have been given Dave upon his entrance. And those crowns that he would turn right back around and lay at his Savior's feet in worship. Do you you want to lay back at your Savior's feet one little bitty jewel? Or crowns? Do you want to show up like the wise men and bring the best of the best of the best that you can? How do we live our lives each day? How do we make our decisions in doing that? It's through Jesus. You see, he initiated his love for us by coming. He initiated his love for us by living here and growing up, working, feeling hunger, cold, pain, runny noses, the works, choosing to go to the cross. Severing the intimacy he had with God the Father and the Holy Spirit by taking on our sin for a short time and taking on God's wrath that our sin deserves for us because we can't do it without him. And so if there is anything that you walk out of here today with, if you already know him, Thank him. Love him well this season. Praise him. Is there somebody else that needs to know him? Yes. God loves them just as much as you. It's not just our lives, but our words that we need to share him with others. If you are here and you don't know him, What are you waiting for? You have everything to gain and only your pride and sin to lose. So why wouldn't you give that up? I mean, I'm sure you've tried everything else, right? Why not try 
a different approach than what the world tells us? Why not try a surrendering approach? Approach in humility as opposed to a white-knuckled, pulling-up-your-bootstrap approach of trying something else and doing something. It's not going to work. I don't care how many years you try. We must come to that place of humility like Christ did by coming here. Recognizing that we need grace. We can't figure it out or do it on our own. We need a Savior. Are we keeping the right perspective of eternity in mind as we live out our daily lives? Are we caught up in the he said, she said, the who's and the what's and the how's as opposed to him? our Savior, our King, and our future with Him. I mean, we get more excited about a vacation coming up we're planning for. Ah, forgive us, Lord. He's coming. So would you give your life to Him? And would you live out a life so that you can bring him the best of the best? And guess what? You can't bring him the best of the best without his help. And he's willing to help you all along the way. But would you live out your life giving him the best of the best so that at some day we can turn around and give those rewards and jewels and crowns right back to him in appreciation and adoration? Would you pray with me? Father God, we, uh, we thank you. Lord, you have initiated everything. You have humbled yourself in more ways than we can even fathom or understand. by coming here as a baby. Lord, you have paved the way because of your life and your death and your resurrection for all of us to have relationship with you, to be with you someday in heaven for all eternity. And Lord, you... You sent your Holy Spirit to be with us each and every moment of every day, to help us, to guide us, to give us peace, to even find and choose joy in some of the ridiculousness of life because of sin, not because of you, God. So, Father, if there's, if there's somebody here, Lord, Lord, I ask that they would not be at peace until they surrender to you. Because it's only in you that there's true peace. Lord, those of us who already know you, God, that we would... (laughs) God, that our perspective would be right, that we would not live out our lives in a way of 
being caught up with the minuscule percentage and worrying about those things versus eternity with you and serving you. We would not be ashamed of you in any way, shape, form, or fashion with our lives or our words. Lord, we'll we'll brag about great gifts that we may get this Christmas season, and yet we are silent about you, the ultimate gift. And so, Lord, let us be bold, compassionate, loving, tender, but bold in proclaiming We ask all these things in your name.